Welcome back to New to Medical Device Sales. I am your host, Jacob McLaughlin, and today I am super lucky to have such a great guest. Uh, it's, it's a guest that you guys haven't seen before because we have the pleasure of having Alex Moran on here today. And Alex is someone who worked for one of the top distributors in America for medical device sales and now has taken a clinical specialist role with one of the top medical device sale companies in the world. And so being able to have his experience on here today, even just go into detail what a clinical specialist is later in this episode to let you guys see kind of the different routes that you could possibly take is just amazing. And we're excited to have him. So Alex, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to jump on and, and be with our listeners today. Yeah, absolutely, Jacob. I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, this has uh, definitely been very valuable for me. So hopefully, um, I'll be able to shed some light on um, on my job and you know how I got in and whatnot, and uh, be able to help some other people out. Oh yeah, you you'll for sure do that today. And just a fun fact, you guys. So Alex reached out to me, um, let me know he got his position. But Alex has actually been a listener of the podcast, uh, so that's been a lot of fun. We were just talking off air how he used to have a commute and he'd be listening uh, to to my podcast while he'd be getting ready for the week. And so again, it's it's just fun to meet you guys and meet everybody who's listening and and know that. Sometimes I might be making sense, maybe when I don't think I am, but uh, just that people want to want to listen and go. But again, Alex, we're going to dive deep into it today because I want to give as much value as we can to these listeners of like what a clinical specialist is and never all that. But before yeah, of course. To that, can you kind of give us a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, so um, I definitely have a little bit more unique background, I think just because of how young I am. So I just graduated college in December of 2020. So I am right out of the gate. So I definitely had an advantage um, because I knew for a very long time I wanted to be in the medical device industry. Um, so before I graduated high school, actually, um, and just kind of throughout my earlier younger years, um, you know, the sport of wrestling was always my um, you know, what I focused on, what me and my family did all year round, um, you know, some of like my fondest memories are me and my brothers and my dad, you know, we'd be driving around Ohio, going to tournaments and stuff like that. So that was awesome. And so it was my junior year, I actually ended up tearing my labrum and needing surgery. And so when I was having that surgery, I had a good friend whose dad was a rep, not actually an orthopedic rep, but um, in a different division. And he kind of told me when he found out I was having surgery about, you know, his role in the OR and just overall about his job and, you know, what he's able to do with, you know, to advance, you know, medicine and be able to really help the doctor, you know, be able to, um, you know, stay on top of his game and, you know, be up to date on new products and new procedures. And so ever since then, I thought that was awesome. I had no idea that that was a role. I mean, I was pretty naive. I was, you know, 16 or 17 years old and um, I had never explored this route before. So I really had a head start. So I knew from that, that point on that, you know, this is what I wanted to do. I had no idea that anyone else was in the OR. I really thought it was the doctor and, you know, a nurse, maybe someone else. I had no idea. So um, when I came to college, I had, you know, four years to really, or actually three and a half to really cement myself to be able to break in, you know, post-graduation. And um, yeah, I was, I was able to do so. I love that, man. And, and no, it's funny because I say this all the time, you know, I've been into the industry for what, nine months now. It was six months before that. A year and a half ago, I had no idea about this profession. No idea. Right. You know, it wasn't until I tr was doing my personal training and one of my clients started telling me about this world. And I was like, what is this? You know, so <laughs> I totally understand, man. It's such a cool industry. And, and like you said, you know, this is the one industry I, I always push to people because you can be 
in the OR, you can be in the surgeries, you can have impact in people's life and you don't have to go through 14 years of schooling or 12 years of extra schooling and all the debt load with everything. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, it's very humbling. I'm sure um, it is for you as well, being in the room with some really bright and, you know, brilliant individuals and being able to even help them in small ways some days, some days, um, you know, more than others, of course, but it's definitely, um, definitely exciting, you know, keeps you on your toes. And, you know, that's why I love it so much. I'm sure you probably feel the same way. hundred percent. That was actually one of my answers when they're like, why medical device sales? And I was like, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I always want to be learning. And when you're with those surgeons, nice. man, like those guys are so smart and they, they right. love knowledge and, and what they can just teach you. And, and it, like you said, when you can just be an asset that maybe helps just a little bit and can make their job easier and know that's impacting someone's life. You know, it's those little things that make just a big difference in this world. No kidding. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. So I love, love the background again. So we just talked a little bit. So you, you were at a giant distributorship, um, which again, if you guys haven't, I have a podcast going in what's the difference between working for like a distributorship and working for, you know, a giant company. And so you worked for a distributorship, you, did more of like the associate sales rep role again, maybe not with the title, but more of that role. And then you went into a clinical specialist with this new uh, giant company in medical device sales. And so can you kind of just go into detail, maybe what the difference between a clinical specialist and an associate sales rep would be? Yeah. So, um, an associate would be definitely the more entry level position. So when I was an associate, um, I was covering cases um, when needed, but my goal was really to learn. So just really be a sponge, absorb everything that I can. And I, a lot of running trays, making sure our inventory was where it needed to be. And working out the logistics was um, definitely my biggest role on the team. But again, like I said, you know, I did cover cases. I was, um, was uh, you know, soaking up the information that was needed to be a territory manager, to be a full line sales rep. So um yeah, that's, that was really my experience as an associate. And with the distributor that I was with, I was able to see um, tons of orthopedic cases. And it was a great experience to really um, pinpoint what I wanted to do, what I liked, maybe what I was um, not as um, interested in and whatnot. So yeah, that was my experience as an associate. But the clinical specialist is, like I said, a little bit of a step up. So being a clinical specialist, this sounds... Um, maybe obvious, but they need you to be a clinical specialist. They need you to be um, a master of the product, a master of the anatomy, the procedure, and really just be able to be, um, you know, the eyes and ears for the territory manager. So being in a clinical specialist role, so I'm working hand in hand with a territory manager, but I'm not, you know, I'm not running trays. I'm not doing anything like that. It's not really um, with the division I'm in, that's not really uh, necessary, but in general, um, so I'm covering cases. I'm also servicing um, our patients. And so with this division in particular, there's a ton of patient interaction. And that's something that I really wish I could see with my last role. So, you know, I would cover a case, everything would go well when I was an associate with my last position. And I was always curious, you know, what was their progression like? You know, how was their, um, you know, their uh, rehabilitation and whatnot. So, now this role, um, we joke around, we're married to our patient as soon as um, our device is implanted in them. So, um, you know, I'm with them the whole step of the way, you know, they have my phone number, they're calling me when something's going wrong, I'm going into um, the doctor's offices and really just assisting with, um, you know, making sure that their product is, um, you know, fulfilling what it needs to fulfill. So 
that's so different than being an associate um, or just in general, just completely different divisions. But yeah, so as a clinical specialist as well, um, I'm really, I'm an addition to the territory manager. No means the territory manager. My head is not on the chopping block for quota or anything like that. But as an associate, you know, you are an associate, you do some of the territory manager duties when they're not able to be there. But um, it's just a step up being a clinical specialist. The expectations are higher and they're really counting on you to always be, um, you know, an extension of them and be an extension of the company and be able to be um, an asset right away. Where as an associate, I was a little, it had a little bit more leeway where, hey, you know, he's, he's still learning and whatnot and you know, a little bit more shadow. But now as a clinical specialist, it's, you know, you got to strap in, you got to be ready to go and um, be, be able to really help the team and be an asset right away. I love that. that. That was a great description of it, Alex. I appreciate it. So you guys, again, listening, you know, there's a couple of different routes that you can go into once you're trying to get into medical device sales. And most people just think about associate sales rep, and then they're going into a full line sales rep, right? That's, that's typically what we've, especially on here, talked about. And the thing that you're hearing, though, is there's other options. And the, just how Alex mentioned about it. When you're doing the clinical specialist, you're still in the surgeries, you're still helping with the patients, you're still being a specialist in what you do, but maybe you're not the one on the chopping block for quota, right? And why this is important, right, is what people don't talk about in medical device sales, at maybe when you're first starting out is, hey, you don't hit quota you're, after a couple of years, you might not be with the company anymore. You know, like that's just the reality. You're there to drive revenue and and make sure that you're hitting your quota, right? And in your realm, in a clinical specialist, that's not so much a, a concern as much as, you know, being there for your patients, helping out, making sure that they're getting what they need to, um, and making sure everybody is supported. And so again, like he, uh, Alex said, is like, you could be the territory manager, and then you have a clinical specialist working underneath you. But again, Alex isn't the one on the chopping block on like, when, hey, we didn't hit quota, what the heck's going on? You know, that that's the thing. So I just want you guys to hear that because when you're an associate sales rep, maybe that's a, that's a route you can go into be as a clinical specialist because we've talked about if you guys haven't about the associate sales rep, like he said, running more trays, doing more things. And then also we've talked about salary, what they make, you know, and then going into a clinical specialist. You know, that was a comment I know when I was reaching out to people about clinical specialists, you can you can go and, and you can make you can do very well as a clinical specialist without all the headaches and stuff of a territory manager. Because again, the thing I want to just make a comment being a TM is, you know, it's not just covering cases, like, especially I don't have an associate. So I'm covering cases. I'm running trays. I'm making sure the equipment's all ran. I'm still worrying about quota. I'm making sure that accounts have everything they need and supplied. I'm making sure that I'm sending stuff out. I'm making sure things are built. Like you have a million different hats that you're doing stuff with on top of everything else, right? Compared to more what Alex is going into is he's, he's, yes, he has a lot of hats he's still wearing, but he's more specialized on what he's focusing on. Yeah. You uh, hit that right on the head, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, the, everybody just listening to this, you know, if you guys have never thought about a clinical specialist, you know, that has, that was something when I reached out to a couple of clinical specialists, they said, Hey, I didn't want to just worry about the quota. I don't want to worry about making sales or anything, but I wanted to still do almost all the same um, job duties, especially like being in the surgeries and helping. And like you said, that's been a common thing is being able to interact with the patients. Um, they want to see it 
through. That's been a common thing I've heard. So, you know, if you guys haven't thought about a clinical specialist, I, I would highly uh, encourage you guys to go and, and just do a little more research and maybe reach out to some more clinical specialists just to kind of find out really what the big difference is. But just, just understand when you are the um, associate, your job is like we've talked about, you're the grunt, you're there to learn, you're there to, <laughs> you know, run the trays and do the stuff that the a TM doesn't have time to do compared to, you know, when you're a clinical specialist, you're not, you're not most likely running like that, running the trays, doing all this stuff. And you're not worrying about the quota because then the associate would go to the TM and now you have all that. So I appreciate you going into detail on that, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we went in there. That was a big point I wanted to get across because a lot of, I've had questions about clinical specialists, but let's go, let's go back into, okay. So you were at a distributorship now you're like, hey, I, I think I'm going to go something else. I'm going to go to this giant medical device company, and, and I want to go into a clinical specialist. Can you kind of tell us what that interview process was kind of like and, and what you did for yourself to stand out and land the position that you had? Because, again, we've never had a guest that's really like let, or was in one medical device and just got one with a new one. So I would love to hear kind of how you handled that situation. Yeah, so um, I'll start with the interview process. So before I even really dive into the interview process, something that's really important if you're trying to break in is that's kind of forgotten sometimes is relationships with recruiters. So, you know, everyone's worried about the hiring manager, the territory manager, and those are decision makers. Those people are extremely important. But because of my relationship with this um, particular recruiter, that is really why I got in front of um, who I needed to get in front of. And so, you know, he was a third party recruiter. We had a great relationship. and you know, he would call me, I, I, I would always kind of mess with him. He would call me and he would be like, Alex, I have this position for you. It's with X, Y, and Z doing this. Are you interested? I was like, no, I'm not interested. I like where I'm at right now. And thank you. Two weeks later, Alex, come on, man. I think you like this. And I would say, no, I think I'm okay. And then he finally came to me with this opportunity with, you know, a very large company, very well-known company. And I thought, all right, this is, you know, this is my opportunity to break in because I'd been trying to get with the, my current company for a very long time. This was kind of my dream. Um, so when I broke in with, um, excuse me, to the interview process, um, I met initially with the hiring manager. We had just, a, even before the interview process, we just had an intro conversation to see if it was something I would be, you know, wanted to move forward with. So I met with her a few times. I met with a couple territory managers and I would have actually gone on a ride along, but I was not a local candidate. So they kind of uh, bypassed that. And then the last step was I, um, I met with the area manager um, via Zoom. So it was a relatively short interview process because they needed to fill the position quickly and I had already been referred to it. So um, it wasn't a normal interview process, I would say but it was definitely in depth and they definitely um, vetted me pretty well before they offered me the position. And so one big thing was, you know, why am I leaving this company I just started with or this distributorship rather? And I told them, you know, my goal was not to work for this distributorship. My goal was to work for you guys. And so, um, you know, there's red flags in the hiring process when, you know, someone jumps around a lot or someone um, maybe doesn't spend an adequate amount of time with, companies and it's a pattern. So those really wasn't the case for me. You know, I was just really interested in that particular company and, you know, my uh, connection I had built with this third party recruiter, he came to me, I didn't really seek it out, uh, so to speak. And so that's how I, uh, you know, I ended in this role. Um, so 
yeah, it was, it was definitely crazy. And I had to make a move, had to relocate and, you know, throw everything in my small car and, and drive in a pretty short amount of time. So um, I'm still, uh, still boxes in my living room here. I'm not all the way, <laughs> not all the way moved in, but uh, yeah, to answer your question, that was probably the interview process. I love it, man. And, and just want to touch on for the listeners out there again, comes down to a relationship comes down to, you know, networking, having people in your corner and having that, that recruiter in your corner, wanting you to do this. And, and again, putting you up there, I imagine made a big difference in this whole process. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I forgot to answer your, how did I stand out in the interview process? So before you even start the interview process, this is something that I've just kind of carried with me throughout my whole life. And even when it probably wasn't true, I just told myself that it was true. So when I first started applying to positions and say I would get an interview, say I wouldn't get an interview, say I hadn't found out that I hadn't gotten an interview yet, I would just pound into my brain that, you know, you are the best candidate for this position and you are going to get this job. And so even probably a hundred times throughout all the application process I've been through, I was definitely not the best candidate in jobs I got or I, I didn't get, but you just have to have a level of self-belief that, you know, it is going to happen. And I remember I had like an aha moment where I finally got an interview with this company that I, you know, a, an attractive company that many people have been, you know, been trying to work for, not my um, company I'm working for now, but a different company. And when I first got that interview, I realized, you know, I can, you know, I can do this. You know, I, I finally did it. I finally got an interview. I don't have the job yet. And I actually, <laughs> I didn't end up getting the job, but I made it pretty far into the process. And I realized I was that close that someone's going to take a chance on me. So before standing out, you really have to stand out to yourself that, you know, you are, you know, you are going to be a good candidate for this position and, yeah. you know, pound it into your brain, have that level of belief in yourself that, you know, you're going to get the job and not only are you going to get the job, but you're going to do well in the job because, you know, anyone can get a job, but, you know, you need to be able to perform and, you know, uh, live up to that long list of duties that are on every job description. And, um, and so, that's something that I would say just to just to start with, even before you really begin the interview process. But how I stood out in the interview process, I would say follow up is a huge thing. So immediately after the interviews, you know, it sounds you know cliche. Everyone everyone does it. You think, but you know, I followed up. I would you know send send an email to whoever I interviewed with, and you know thank them for their time. And I would always ask them a question so we could you know exchange. Um, you know, exchange responses from there. I wouldn't leave it with, thank you for your time. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. You know, they have 50 other of those. I'd say, yep. you know, by the way, you know, while we're still communicating, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say while we're still communicating, but <laughs> you, you see what I mean. Um, but, you know, by the way, you know, what do you think about this aspect or how do you think this part of the business is changing? And yeah. by having that personal touch in your follow-up, I think is really going to assist, um, you know, you and standing out because, you know, Hey, this candidate is not only following up, like, you know, 90% of everyone else is, but they're interested in this part of the business. or they're trying to see how this changed. And that's huge. You know, you need to be able to stand out in any way possible, especially in the early stages. There's yep. a stack of candidates and some of them have more experience. Some of them have less, or you might yep. be right in the middle. You might be at the top or bottom. doesn't matter. You need to be able to stand out. And so, also, um, I would say, you know, connecting with people outside of the team that you're interviewing on, getting all perspectives. And then if they bring it up in the process, you can say, hey, you know, I spoke with so-and-so on this team and, you know, she gave me a really unique perspective. And 
being able to do that and of course uh, making sure it's okay to you know name drop someone or you don't even necessarily need to name drop them just you know i spoke with uh you know another team member and this you know in this territory and you know it was really interesting to hear you know this side of you know what, or what's unique about you know that territory or that yep. part of the business or whatever so uh, you need to go above and beyond in any way you can to stand out and so by following up by reaching out to everyone that you possibly can um that that's definitely a way to do it but just kind of a quick quick story in another interview process i had that one where i you know where i first initially got that interview um something that i think really helped me get the interview is i found the area manager and i messaged him on linkedin and he never got back to me but the first thing that they said to me when i sat down with everyone who was interviewing me is they they laughed they said alex you did some serious stalking on linkedin and i said yeah you know i i'm not afraid to reach out to people and they really appreciated that that i found the decision maker didn't hear back from him but he definitely uh, you know, remembered my name and maybe that's why I got the interview. I'm not really sure why, but love um, long story short. Yeah. That's, that's what I would say just in general in the interview process and for my particular interview process. Oh my gosh, Alex, you just dropped so many bombs. If you guys were just listening, please rewind <laughs> the last like six minutes and just go back and listen to that eight times. And that will help you get a job. I just that by itself, man, I was sitting over here trying to be uh, taking notes on my phone without breaking eye contact, but <laughs> because the, you're so right in every aspect you just said. Um, and I wanted to touch on a couple of them for our listeners is first off the, the belief, the belief is the number one, fake it till you make it. And if you don't think you're going to make it, you won't make it right. It's, it's the mindset of everybody. If you got to believe you can do the job before you get the job. And like you said, you know, by the end of it, that's why I told people is when I first started, I, I sucked. I didn't know I had never gone through the interview process, but guess what? By the 11th one, I was the best. I got prepared and nobody was going to beat me. And I knew, you know, like I was prepared to say, Hey, you know, I can't wait to work for this company. But if you, if I, you don't take me, I totally understand. But just so, know for every company I'm going to work for, I'm going to make an impact. Like whoever I work for, I, that's just who I am. And you know, like it's fun to like make these podcasts and do this to see where I was a personal trainer nine months ago. I took over the lowest performing territory in the nation. And now I just broke top 10, um, in the new quota, you know, like I believed that before I ever even got the position. Right. And so what you said right there, you believing in yourself, first off, it's a confidence they can see, but second of all, they sense when you believe it, they know it. Like my manager knew I was going to come in and make a difference. So with you saying that, man, I just want to, I wanted to hit on that point because if you don't believe you can do the job, they can see that through you. You're working with top salespeople, right? Like they can read you like a book. So if you have any doubt, they're like, we're not going to go with this candidate because we don't want to take a chance on someone who doesn't believe in themselves if we're supposed to believe in them. Right. No, that's, that's spot on. And um, it's just, it's so important. I think it's kind of forgotten sometimes because that's before you even you know, really get rolling. That's something that I think is really important to just before you take that leap of faith, you need to have that down and it, it will go a very long way. Yeah, it's going to go huge. And then I, again, a couple other notes I took follow up, stand out. I actually just recorded a podcast before this uh, with Logan. You guys can go back and listen to it. And with Logan said the same thing, right? When you guys are following up and you're asking a question, you're doing something different. What that's doing is like you said, 90% of people are following up. And if they're not, they should be, um, but they're following up and they're just doing a simple question. Well, that's everybody else. I made a podcast a couple of weeks ago about 
above average. The average person just says, thanks for your time. But the above average person ask a question or above average person takes something from that interview, maybe something they could have improved on or a question and they bring it back because you know what that makes that manager think? Wow, Jake's still thinking about that question three hours later or two hours later. Like he really does care about this. Or like you said, you just did research and you asked a question showing that you really do care about this compared to, you know, the average person's just going to say, thanks, you know? And so again, how you were able to make yourself stand out in the follow-up is, is great. And that's a great tip to anybody who's listening. Please use that because you're talking to a guy right now, Mr. Alex, who has a job because he did follow up and he did the right things. Um, and then, like you said, networking, I wanted to touch on that again. We, I say that Tom blue in the face. It's not what you know, it's who, you know, and, and like you said, that's a great point for just even on the networking. I want to touch on, um, real quick, Alex is how you said you talk to other people on different teams. And what I tell people all the time is that's why I highly encourage everyone. You should go talk to a trauma rep. You should go talk to a cardiac rep. You should go talk to a capital sales rep, a minimally invasive, like everybody, because it's going to tell you what their life's like. They're going to tell you what they like, they don't like, and their lifestyle and how much money they can make and if it fits you. So I love that you're able to do that because, you know, I knew there were certain divisions, even if I got the job offer, I wasn't going to take it because it didn't fit my lifestyle. So being able to talk to that while you're in the interview process goes so far. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a good, great point, Jacob. And the last one I want to just put on regional manager. So I laugh that you did that. I did the exact same thing. So I reached out, <laughs> I found out who mine was. I actually, four times I reached out to my regional manager. She never responded back, but every time I just was like nice and nice and did it the right yep. way. And then eventually like five months into it, I found who her used to be associate sales rep was when, when she was a TM. And thus that person liked me and texted her within a day, I got a text back, you know, a a call back. And then we, we made that relationship. And then same thing. I went into my interview and I went back and like four months prior, I had in, or I had sent a message to my VP that I was now interviewing with, you know, showing that, Hey, this isn't my first rodeo. And I didn't just quit after the first three months, you know? So I love that you talked about sending out those messages because even if they don't respond, it shows like that four months later, two months later, whatever it is that you were able to find who the decision maker was and that you weren't afraid to like send out and, and be able to, to put yourself out there. And like you said, they knew who you at least were when you walked into the interview. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, it takes persistence. It's not even for, for my case, you know, I, I learned from it. I only messaged that regional manager once. And I, I mean, I learned going forward and you have to follow up more. So definitely it worked in your favor there. So yeah, it's, that's, that's an awesome point. I love it. And, and I wanted to do, I did want to touch on, I know you said it was like a faster interview process for you. How long yeah. was the interview process just to give the listeners an idea for, like for what yeah. fast is considered? So it, it was unique because I actually didn't touch on this the first go around, but I interviewed. So same thing, you know, the, um, the recruiter that I had a great relationship with referred me to a job in a different territory and I didn't get the position. They, um, you know, the feedback that I received was they wanted a local candidate. And so that was okay. And so I guess I made a good enough impression on that manager. She referred me to another territory and then the recruiter was also working with that territory. So all in all between that process and the end of the process where I just got hired, I would say it was probably um, a month and a half or so. And 
that other people that got hired with me, there was a, a few other hires. Um, it was a much longer for them. Yep. So take that with a grain of salt. Every company does it different and every territory does it different. You know, when there's a need to be filled, they're going to move a little bit faster and they're not going to have time to wait for you. If, you know, if, oh, hey, my, my lease is up in six months. Can you wait six months? The answer is probably going to be no. So that's a big thing about getting hired in the industry. You need to be ready to move and you're probably not going to get your first choice within your territory or where, or yeah, your, excuse me, your first territory's choice or vice versa. Um, yeah. You know, it's not going to be uh, very smooth where, you know, I get to stay in my hometown or I get to stay, you know, an hour away. You might have to pick up and move and um, that's, that's part of the process. And so that's what I had to do in order to, um, you know, really, uh, you know, reach my goal of working for this company. Hundred percent, man. And I love that you took you took that uh, on yourself to you know not let that limit you of being able to go. But I wanted you guys to just hear that you know, like Alex said, quick, right? And I, we always joke around. We do quotations, right? Six six weeks, a month and a half. You know, six eight weeks. That's a quick process in medical device sales. And he's a hundred percent right. If it, it just matters the need, right? Like I got told, hey, we're looking, so it might be three four months. You know, that's why I always say be the player on the bench because people think it moves fast. But like even in my process. This, right. I got the call three weeks before it was ever told. And I was told, Hey, we're trying to have this hired in three, four weeks. It was like 10 weeks, 12 weeks before I even got, well, I went through my final interview. Right. So like it gets stretched out. So like when people call me and they're like, I want to break in within the next two months, probably not going to happen because just when you're the final candidate and, and you get a call before it even starts, it's probably going to be two or three months before you even go. So just to give you guys an idea, you know, like this does not move fast. And another point I do want to just touch on is Alex is hundred percent, right? I have a lot of candidates who will call me and they're like, I don't want to leave. When you're, when you, when you commit that you're not leaving, you just narrowed it to the whole nation of breaking into this medical device, which is a very tough industry to break into. But you just narrowed it to a small, very big or small box. So now instead of having thousands of options, there's hundreds of options, maybe, maybe even less than that. And now each, each position that opens up, there's hundreds to thousands of candidates applying for that position. You know, so I want to touch on that. What Alex is saying is, you know, same for me. I, I was on a lot of calls and I said, Hey, I am open to moving because I am 25. I'm young. Like I don't have a family. I can do that now. And I know once I break in, you guys can always get back to where you're trying to go because the hardest part's getting in. Once you're into the industry, there's always a position for you. You can, you have the experience and that's what they want. Um, but you have to make those sacrifices. I'll just be honest. You know, my first position I got offered was in Atlanta and I was going to take it. The only reason I didn't take Atlanta is because I really did want to stay here in Phoenix um, if I could. But again, Phoenix is 7 million people. So it's a pretty big area, a lot of opportunities. But in the same respect, I had already two calls and got told I was a favorite in one of them. So the only reason I stayed and was like, I'm going to play it out here was because I was told I was a finalist. If those two were not on the table, you would see me living at Atlanta right now. Um, because I would have done what I had to do to break into this industry. So I, I appreciate you saying that, Alex, because again, a lot of people will come in with this. I don't want to say spoiled, but like this, this tinted mindset of like, I yep. want it to happen for me when I want it. And let me just tell you, that is not this industry. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm going to touch on that a little bit, Jacob. I think that, you know, everyone's situation is different. I don't, I don't mean to, you know, jump on anyone by saying this, but I think that you're not fully dedicated to the interview process unless you have another factor in your life that is forcing you to stay in that city. Like you said, it's kind of spoiled to think that I want to get into medical device sales and I want to be in this city. 
it's hard enough. There's tons of people that are willing to move into your city to get this position that you that you want. So if you're serious about it and you don't have, you know, maybe a family issue or, or something like that, you're locked into a lease that is, uh, you're not gonna be able to get out of something along those lines. There's, you know, there's other factors and I totally understand that. I'm not, uh, um, I'm not harsh to that, uh, to those other realities of life, but you need to be able to move, like we said, and, you know, my first uh, job offer that I received was about as far away as possible from Ohio. So it was extremely far. I was ready to do it, but another opportunity came up a little bit closer to home and I thought it would prepare me to do what I needed to do um, to, you know, accomplish my goals in the industry more with, with this position. So, yeah, so that's just, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. So um, no, I love that. And he, that yeah. Here's the thing is like, when you have options, like for us, we both had options. So we can take a closer one or we can, or, or we can wait. Like I believed in myself. Hey, maybe I don't get this one. Uh, maybe I, I didn't really want to move to Atlanta personally. Right. But it's like, Hey, I already had some things cooking. I already got told I was a finalist, but I was like, maybe I'll wait another year. And maybe it's a year before I get a position here in Phoenix to even interview. For right. It. But I was mm -hmm. okay with that. It's the people who will call that are like, I want a job in the next three, six months, but I don't want to move. I don't want to do this. And I'm just like, Hey, it's tough. And especially this is always my thing. If you got a family, you got kids respect. I get that. Right. Um, but in the same respect, you can't be picky. Right. And you can't, and like I had a talk with a guy one time, Hey, because of your situation, you might have a family, you might have two, three kids and you want to break in, you're going to be an associate and you you're struggling with the pay cut. Okay. It is what it is, but you don't want to move and you're going to stay in a small, small area. It might be three years before you get an interview. You got to be okay with that because you just yep. put yourself in a small little box and limited yourself. Now, if you're not, then you can move on. But the thing I, I'll even say this to your lease point, right? Again, I'm not a guy who's made for money. I, would, I moved out here with 1200 bucks to my name, not a dollar. Like I've built everything. But you know what? If I wanted something bad enough, I would have figured out how to make it work. You know, if 100%. I was locked, I, I was same here. When I got offered that Atlanta one, I was locked into a lease for another six months. But guess what? I knew I was going to make sacrifices and I might have not had any money to my name, but I would have been able to pay both leases and figure it out why I get there because it's something I was dedicated and wanted to break into. So again, I say this because you can hear the passion in my voice. I feel like in America, I feel like as people were spoiled brats and people deserve, they feel like they deserve anything. And I've always come from, you don't deserve anything. You're not trusted with anything and you got to earn everything you get. And so that's why, again, when the people I meet who have that mindset, they're always the people I meet that are breaking into this industry. And the people who message me and say, I want this, I want that. They're the ones who don't get it because again, me just being harsh and being straight up. A lot of them are coming as a spoiled brat and they don't want a spoiled brat because guess what? You're going to have to work a lot and a spoiled brat's not going to work a lot. <laughs> Spot on. And uh, just one last thing I will say, if you do have to relocate for a position, like you said, you can always go back to home. You know, you can be an associate for two to three years and you can always find another position home. So take a leap of faith that you that's outside of your comfort zone. And then you can find your way back to your, your hometown at one point. So 100%. that's just, yeah, that's the last thing I wanted to, to say with that. So don't forget that if you move for a little bit, it will not be forever. If your goal is getting back to where you're from. So I say that all the time, especially from being from small town, Iowa, I tell my buddies to move out of Iowa all the time. And it's like, Hey, you can always come back, <laughs> right. right? Joke around about it. But same thing here. Just so you guys know, when I was going to take that job in Atlanta, that's my, that was my plan. I was like, Hey, I'll go work in Atlanta for two years. It was with a big company. I'll make my way back to Phoenix 
in two, three years, you know, like understanding that I was going to put my foot in and then see what happens. Um, but like you said, Alex, to anybody listening, sometimes you guys just have to have, you have, like we talked about, believe in yourself. You don't know where you're going. You might not know. It might be scary to move somewhere, but know you're, you're good enough to figure it out and you can breathe in or take anything that comes with you. And again, just like we said, the hardest part, you'll hear this if you network with lots of reps, the hardest part's breaking into this industry. Once you guys are into this industry, it's, it's not as hard to get a job. It's not, it's not like it's a cakewalk, but again, people always want people with experience. So if you can have experience, it's, it's easier to get a position compared to, you know, if you're trying to come in and be the, the new guy off the block. So again, like Alex said, believe in yourself, maybe go eat it for a couple of years if you are trying to break in and maybe it's not the best division or it's not something you really want to do, but understand that it's going to build you to be able to live a life in the future that you would like. 100%. Love it. I love it. Um, and Alex, can you just give the tips you would give to someone who's trying to break in right now? If, if they're, if they're reaching out to you, they're like, Hey, Alex, I'm trying to break in a medical device. What would you do to, what would you say to make sure that you stand out that they could do today? Um, I know you touched on some points that we talked about in the past that they were all great, but like, if someone just said, Hey, Alex, what can I do to get hired? What would you say to them? Yeah. So play your experiences to the position. So if you don't have sales experience, Jacob, you know, if, if you're a listener to this podcast, you know, you've heard Jacob go into this plenty of times before, but you need to play to your experiences. And a huge thing is you need to back up everything that you say in the interview process, because they don't know you, you don't know them. You know, when, even when I first started out, you know, I, I would say, you know, I, I'm a really hard worker and maybe I'll talk a little bit about it, but I need to say what I would say in the interview process is, I'm a hard worker because I started out, I did door to door sales for two years. I had doors slammed in my face. It was hot. It was the Ohio summer. And I even did it in the winter when I was home from college. And so I know how to work hard in conditions that are not ideal. So something along those lines. So yes. if you are a hard worker, you're backing it up by this example, this experience with my job or say not even sales experience, say if you were a waitress, you know, or a waiter, whatever, you know, I, I'm a hard worker because, you know, our restaurant would get pretty much, it would be full, full to capacity every single Saturday night. And I would work that Saturday and I wouldn't even have a second to use the restroom or take a break, whatever. And so I know how to work in tough conditions. I, you know, I'm not going to go into all that, but you see what I mean? Just backing up everything that you say and showing them that you have already done the job before you've got the job. So I think, I don't know if I stole it from you, Jacob. Or yeah, from I, have, I, I have said that a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew I stole it from someone. So that's not a, that's not an original um, piece from me, but yeah, show them that though, just by telling, telling them that your experience will fit in this and that there's so many different ways that you can, you know, communicate that and so many different positions that you've had that you might not think that, Hey, this is going to align with this position. You'd be surprised. You really need to just think as hard as you can about what you did in the job, you know, what made it difficult, what were your duties, and you can translate it to a medical device position. And, you know, if you do hear no, make a good impression with whoever you're interviewing with, because I've had multiple times where I've gotten an email, hey, Alex, you know, we got your name from so-and-so who interviewed you and you made quite the impression. So we have this position available and I'm sitting there like, wow, okay, I guess I did something right in that process. And although I didn't get the job, you know, someone else just did the talking for me, you know, yep. you'll get to a point with networking and with interviewing where 
say you're still not getting any jobs, but your name is going to be well known enough to help you finally break in and get that job. So if you don't get the job, don't say, oh my gosh, screw this person. Why didn't they pick me? I'm the best candidate for it. Still build a relationship with them. And so going back to standing out. So really playing on your experiences and showing them that you know, you're capable of doing the job that you've already done so with your different duties and the characteristics and traits needed to do it. And also just really any opportunity you have in front of a hiring manager or anyone just who's making the decisions, use that to your advantage because it took me, excuse me, it probably took you as a long time as well, Jacob, to finally get in front of people that are decision makers. So yep. if you do and it doesn't go well, it's not a loss permanently. It's just a loss temporary. So yep. make it as good of an, excuse me, as good as an impression as you can. So later it will play in your favor and it will come, you know, if you work hard at it long enough, if you network, if you take a job that maybe you don't want to do, maybe you don't want to do trauma, maybe you don't want to do orthopedics in general, maybe you have a certain company that you have to work for, just take what you can get. And then like Jacob said, you can transition once you have experience that they'll, people that will hire you a lot more likely when you have experience, you're coming from another competitive company or just a similar, um, you know, similar company in general or, or whatever. So yeah, don't, don't take it for granted when you have those opportunities and just give it your all and it will come, you know, I believe Jacob believed, you know, I just, again, that back to that, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that belief in yourself. I, even before I knew it was even true or it was even like likely from my resume, I just told myself, I'm going to get a job with one of these top companies. I yep. know I am like, I don't know who, but it's going to happen. And yep. just, it, it will happen. Just, you know, believe in yourself and work hard and, you know, great things uh, will come of it. Alex, man, again, I just want to take that clip and replay it over and over for these guys. Cause again, you're a hundred percent on that was you guys, again, please go back and listen to this episode two, three, four times. If you guys are still trying to break in because Alex has gone into so much detail to help you guys stand out, even just like he talked about, just giving you examples, right? Like you're a hundred percent right, Alex. Like I always used to say during the interview process, talk is cheap. I can tell you whatever you want to hear, but guess what? It doesn't mean that I like, how am I going to back it up? And then that's why it was always like, Hey, I my own business. Like you said, using examples every single time, that's going to be number one. Number two, I want to touch on having a good impression because let's, let's bring this back to doing the job while you're trying to get the job. If you're trying to get a job and they don't pick you and then you're like, screw you. I don't want to like kick rocks and you talk bad about someone. Well, guess what? They're going to hear about it eventually. And maybe they don't, but you say that to the next person. Well, that next person is going to be like, well, that's what they're going to say about us. If we don't get it first off and second off, well, that's the world you're going into. Are you going to talk bad about every doctor that decides not to use you and your equipment after you sell on them? <laughs> like, the, again, just using, doing the job while you're trying to get it. So again, a hundred percent, Alex, about just like those points of, hey, you need to be able to you do the job while you're trying to get the job, being able to show examples because just saying something's not good enough. And then again, being able to have yourself stand out and believe in yourself, because I'll tell you, like you can tell when you guys listen to Alex and how he can go and, and how the passion comes out of him. It's the same with me. I'm not going to talk about something I'm not passionate about. And I'm, and we talk about this time. I laugh around because right behind your head, Alex, in your picture, you got a clock and, and that's my biggest <laughs> driver. This, this is actually what this is. 86, four, uh, 86,400 seconds. That's how many seconds are in a day. 
we all have the same amount of time in the day, but I'm not going to waste my time on something I don't want to want to like not do. I'm going to go hard in it. And so again, just being able to believe in yourself and be like, Hey, I'm going to be better than this next person. And, and it doesn't even have to be like that competitive. It can be, I'm going to be the best version of myself, but I just believed in myself. Hey, once I break in, I know I'm good at what I do and I will make an impact. And guess what? I don't know it now, but in six months I will, or in a year or two years, I, but I'll figure it out. And that's the belief that comes into this. Because again, I'm telling you guys, if you don't believe in yourself, why would someone else believe in you and take a chance on you? So again, Alex, I just want to say thank you because you dropped so much knowledge on for our listeners. And and again, if you guys are listening, please go watch this two, three times because Alex touched on so many big points. And again, he's living proof of being with one of the top distributors in the nation. And now he's with one of the top companies in the world and being able to have success at such a young age is absolutely amazing. So again, Alex, thank you so much for just sharing your point of view, sharing your tips, and then also just being able to take time and and help our listeners out because we really appreciate it. No problem, Jacob. I really appreciate you, uh, you asking me to come on. Um, You know, I hope something that I said today resonates with uh, resonates with someone and it will come quicker than you think. You know, you'll, uh, you'll blink your eyes if you're, if you're a listener, if you're trying to get in and boom, you know, you'll be doing the job. So enjoy the process. It's definitely, uh, definitely one to remember. And, um, you know, I'm Jacob, what you're doing is awesome. You know, it definitely is helping tons of people and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to keep listening to your content and, you know, who you, who you bring on still helps me even, even now being in the industry. So, uh, yeah, it's it's great, man, and uh, happy we were able to connect. Yeah, I appreciate that, Alex. Uh, thank you so much. Again, congratulations on the new position. Uh, being able to to land it with your dream company is absolutely amazing. And again, guys, it's so much fun to have Alex on here today because, again, he was a listener. Also, he just has been able to just come and, and listen to all the tips and see him use it. It's been so much fun to see him actually uh, land where he wants to go. So it's just been a lot of fun to have listeners listen to the podcast and now be be getting their own jobs and doing it so again appreciate it but if you guys are watching please press that like and subscribe button on youtube if you guys are listening on the podcast leave a five-star review it helps us reach more people about and tell them about this awesome industry and then lastly if you guys are still looking on breaking in we talk about that new to medical device sales ebook that i have the link is in the description where i go into detail how i got four job offers with no previous sales experience i put my business plan in there i put messages I sent to managers. I teach you guys how everything I did to break in. So if you guys would like that, again, the the link is in the description or it's new to medical device sales.com. But again, Alex, thank you so much for jumping on with us and we will see you guys on the next one. Peace.